your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the last American Toffee podcast of 2022. James here, joined by Ryan for our post-match against Manchester City. A 1-1 draw, unthinkable perhaps prior to kickoff. We'll talk about some of the score predictions folks had, myself included, in a little bit. I mean, Everton having lost each of their last nine Premier League games against Manchester City, pick up their first points against Manchester City since 2017. And in addition to that, First time ever getting any points at the Etihad after going behind. All in all, it was a Damari Gray, some say miracle. It was a fantastic hit, a fantastic goal that let us escape with the point. And we will get into all of the details and analysis shortly before we do that. Just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. All of the links to everything is in the description, including our social media channels. And last but not least, join our Discord invite.gg slash ATP. Without further ado, Ryan, why don't we just get into it? Uh, First positive result we've had to talk about on the pod in some time, and we'll kick it off with instant match reactions. I chose one from our brethren out west. PDX Toffee. Huge point! Exclamation point. Was not an exciting brand of play. You got that right. But I thought we were generally well organized. Feels like that's how we have to play against the top six this season. Now we just have to kick on and keep grinding. I hope that's not entirely true, but today, reasonable. You know, no, no real issues necessarily with how we played. And the setup was probably something that Pet maybe wasn't entirely expecting. Um, so it may have confused them a little bit because I, I think their setup, and we'll get into that in a second, was maybe a little overly conservative, or at least than what it needed to be at times. But I mean, it's just it's a point you weren't expecting. Um, makes last week even more, last match even more infuriating, really. Um, but that's how this this game goes sometimes, right? As Ronald Coyman said, that's football. It is indeed, and I just want to give an additional shout out to PDX Toffee and all of the West Coast Toffees for having them. The remaining morale to wake up at 7 a.m. for the last day of the year to watch us, what I think most fans were assuming would just be getting throttled by Man City, and they were rewarded for the early wake-up with the draw. For my instant match reaction, I went with Liz L., who said, absolutely classic Everton to get a point at City after losing at home to Wolves. Thrilled at the unexpected result, but has shades of Arsenal-Chelsea results last December. Still going to just enjoy this, knowing there's a long way to go this season. And yes, folks, we have not had many positive results. You kind of have to just enjoy it. Fluky as it seemed, it was uh, a very eventful match with a lot of physicality. And obviously we defended quite a bit, but I mean, I was I predicted, and we'll get into score predictions. We had two correct from the Discord. I predicted 6-0. So you, that just gives you a, a frame of reference for my mindset going into it, this one. It was a very silly match. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I always think of Monty Python. On on second thought, let's not go to Camelot. Tis a silly place. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just felt like that was, it was just total winding people up during the match and strange tackles, and we'll get into it, but it was just a very odd match, and in many ways, maybe those distractions helped from what the goal typically of a soccer match is or a football match, and that is to score and defend. So uh, <laughs> I'll take it, right? I mean, if that's the type of thing that leads us, I think it was very funny, too, knowing that Yuri Mina didn't play as much winding up as as we had, you know, but... Um, what I think is very funny is James dropped into the document, uh, the master score predictor of all predictors. 
our good friend Tony Sampson. Captain America himself two days ago predicted, uh, he said that in reference to obviously Manchester City, we'll end their title hopes this week. And uh, Sludvig, Soren from our Discord, responded with a 1 1 draw. And Tony said, nailed on. So he, well, and that's, wait. you know, that's his recurring bid is obviously the 1 1 draw predictions every match. But now, wait a second. Shouldn't we have like much like happened in the Marvel Universe, the, the transition of captain america to captain america like doesn't walner now get the captain america title because he <laughs> yeah. passed it on i feel like True. he should yeah. be out in the forest like throwing the shield around and practicing you know you might be right yeah the changing of the guard of sorts <laughs> and then we also had uh james h james harper longtime listener and friend of the show uh who said i dreamed a one-one draw giving credence to the phrase in your dreams well sometimes dreams do come true folks and james's dream came true today and i like that you know in the optimistic side of things the one-one draw was really probably one of the best case scenarios for us today um brian let's just get into it let's start with obviously lineups coming out city reveals their lineup and you alluded to it already perhaps slightly more conservative for pep guardiola's uh team selection today i thought so i mean i i I just have a lot of questions, too. I remember when they signed Nathan Ake, and, and I, I think Pep was considering him kind of like a hybrid-type player uh, as a left-back slash center half. Um, Kanji and Stones. I mean, these guys are all good with the ball, like as defend, you know, cent- central defenders predominantly. Rico Lewis is really young. I, I don't... Concello came in and played like 22 minutes the other last match. I was a little surprised he didn't start. Um Really, the only change, though, was Bernardo Silva in for Gungawin. And um, you've got, I mean, Ruben Diaz is out with a hamstring. Fine. Um, Alvarez is back. I think they were not expecting him to be on the bench. Um, He was given extra time off at Argentina to go hang out and have a good time, although he was there with his medal and everything. That was lovely. Laporte's out, too. I think that may have been a surprise. And Calvin Phillips finally makes the bench. So, look. You look at their talent and I mean, they've got possibly the best center forward, the best central mid and the best defensive mid on the planet. And you've got Mares and Grealish on either side. But I just feel like there's a little something missing from this side. We'll get into the tactics a little bit because I do think it ended up being a little a little more conservative. Um, Everton, however, definitely made some changes, at least in formation. Yeah, I mean, in formation as well as personnel, Frank makes four changes from the match against Wolves. So first and foremost, obviously, kind of the big one is that Gordon and Mina both miss out allegedly due to a quote-unquote illness. I guess there's a bug going around the locker room, so hopefully that doesn't spread. Connor Cody comes back into the team after missing out being ineligible versus Wolves. And uh, Ben Godfrey gets his first start since August after his sub-appearance in the prior match. And then leading the line, none other than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, good to see Dom back, and some some may consider it a little bit risky. I did think it was maybe a, a gamble to play him, given his you know stop-start nature of his returning to fitness and then getting hurt again. And then we have the Brighton match in three days um, in a match where you're really, I mean, obviously in hindsight, it looks maybe kind of smart to give him those minutes, but... Um, I think I think it's fair to say that's a risk from Frank. Do you agree? I think so. Um, but we've also seen how it takes him a little time. It seems to get fit, you know, and some of it's timing. You know, he he does some very strange things in the air, like the early jump and the hang thing. And we've seen last year when he came back, like a first game or two back, it's like, what is going on there? Yeah. Um, it's a tough spot too. That being said, I think he's got a good matchup against any of those guys in the back. Our distribution to him wasn't wasn't very good too. So I, I don't I don't know how much of a test it was for him. Um, but look, I mean, 
he got his minutes in. I, I mean, it didn't really cost us. I mean, I, I don't know really what to say about it. I think it's very curious, though, the, the current rumor mill that indicates that um, it looks like we're bringing Ella Sims back, uh, recalling him in January. And there's some strange takes on that one, too, James. I, I, I think some people are, are I don't understand why anyone would be mad about that. Frankly, uh, I understand that it may be an issue with with sacrificing his de- development a little bit due to the poor current form and situation in the club. But but I, I view it a little differently, I guess. Uh, I view it this way. I think it's one of those situations where we need a lot of g- good attacking players here. I think we need them in the wide spaces. If Dominic Calvert-Lewin's healthy, we have no issues up top. We have two center forwards. We don't need another one. Um, however, a lot of other teams have like kind of a third guy that can play center forward, but also play wide. So I think those guys are hard to come by. I mean, we went through in the team assessment, right? Targets and and there, and we we thought in that way. But like you've got a guy like um, I, I'll just throw someone out, Terem Mofi, who, who plays for Lorient, who I know we've been watching some, um, who's an interesting guy, right? Big, strong guy, fast, uh, initiative, kind of sloppy at times. So if you go and get a guy like that, well, what happens if Dominic Calvert Lewin's fully healthy? He doesn't really play. So you basically got three center forwards. No one has three center forwards. Maybe Lester. That's it in the entire league. And you spent money that you're not really realizing the benefit from. So I think, in my opinion, Sims bringing him back gives you kind of that third option in case something strange happens that you can put in in spells at times. And he has looked very good at Sunderland. But no, no one is thinking like he's coming in to set the world on fire or that this is our answer to anything. I, I don't. Why would anyone think that? That's kind of a very strange way to th- maybe it's the same people that are like put in Tom Cannon. You know, like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I totally hear your point. Like, and I actually have seen some people say, like, OK, he's like, oh, we've been watching Mopai. <laughs> why can't we just get how could Sims not be better than Mopai? It's like, you know, I'm not even going to engage with that line of thought because it's ridiculous. In my mind, it's just it's it's disappointing for a couple of reasons. Obviously, you have to prioritize Everton staying up. And if Sims is able to help as an insurance policy against that in any way, provide additional depth, so be it. I think I'm disappointed in it just purely from the standpoint of, okay, we've struggled with loaning guys out and having successful loans in the recent past. You finally have a guy who's actually developing and playing well on loan and taking kind of a long <clears throat> form, long term view of his future. And then out of necessity, or again, out of that kind of hedging your bets, dom- not uncertainty yeah. around Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you have to recall him. And he's not going to see a lot of minutes in the remainder of the season if Dom is fit. And so that's just, I think, squandered potential It is that he could have been developing I, further. James, I think that's totally fair. That That is a totally fair critique of that situation. And it is a shame that it's come, come down to that. Um, I will say this, though. Um, I, I don't know how good Sims could ever get. That's the real fascinating yeah. part about it. I mean, his movement is wonderful. His brain is great. He's a very smart player, and he can finish. He's got good size. His feet are okay. They're not great. And that's the thing. Like, if he was a little lighter on his feet, and he was meaner, like, he's nice. Like, he doesn't, like, it's it's very funny. As smart as he is and as, and as talented as he is, um, he's just not nasty. Like, I wish he had a little more mean in him, but sometimes, yeah. you know, younger kids can develop that later. And I, I don't know, he seemed pretty big when he was younger too. And sometimes kids like that are not, you know, don't quite have that kind of instinct, but if you ever develop those things and his feet got a little bit better, I mean, he could actually maybe be a premier league player. I do think his ceiling's a little bit limited, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I think you, you're risking the stifling of his development. Um, but people, I just, what I don't like is the response that, Oh, we're so irresponsible. Um, 
or or we're so pathetic that we need to turn to this guy for our answers when I, I don't think that's it at all. Yeah, no. I, and I think that's a, that's also a bit ridiculous. But regardless, he'll be returning. That's official confirmed by Sunderland. Um, it kind of broke last night. So we'll it see what doesn't, uh, it doesn't hurt Sunderland that much, too, because, I mean, they're getting their main striker back. So so I, right. I, I, I understand why some people might feel like Sunderland's very hard done by that. But I, I don't think it it is um, just throwing that out there for what it's worth. Anyway, we, we can get back to the match now. But, yeah, let's, um, let's switch switch gears here. Yeah. But, but I do think it's interesting, the setup to um, that we had. I mean, because. Yeah, why all the graphics? It's unbelievable how often these graphics are nowhere near the formation in the way they play. Uh, but some of the challenges are some people play different shapes in attack and in defense. But this one, since City had the ball the whole time, we were clearly in a in a five three two um, with Gray and DCL up top. Um, so let's uh, what we brought up earlier. City is in your typical four three three. Not really, not really in possession. And often they're not in a four three three in possession. You know they tend to more defend like that. And they'll push their fullbacks up. In this instance, they're really in a back three with the ball. And this is what I'm talking about. Like you have Rodri in there. He snuffs out plays all the time. And every time we're going to try and counter, we sat back behind the ball and we tried to counter and throw it up to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. The second anyone looks like they're going to break through, they just foul him. And it's tactical fouls all over the place. We saw a bunch of them. Um, but I don't know, James, what you thought watching this match. I mean, I don't think City were. I recognize that they wait to attack. You know, I understand positional play and the tactics Pep plays. I've read multiple books on the guy. I'm not an idiot. But but I will say this. It still felt like they needed more volume today. And and like Stones, Akanji, Ake are, are good with the ball, but just seems overkill. Why wouldn't you just have two of those guys back with Rodri deep? I, I don't know. And push up two fullbacks at least. And I yeah, Rico Henry, he's just a kid, man. I, I don't. They're asking a lot of him. He was definitely a little bit of fault on the goal. I mean, don't you think this is a little conservative? I do. I do. Especially because, A, obviously we were very content to sit back and take on pressure. But we also, besides, you know, the, I think as we got into the second half, and we'll talk about it, we started to try to break a little bit more. But I didn't really see that we were really trying to get out and quickly counter very often, at least in the first half. So it felt like we kind of gave City the runway to really pressure us. They dominated the ball. They had it in our final third constantly and were just kind of toying with us. And we were just, you know, standing off, letting them move the ball, trying to contain. Um, and so it felt like they really could have gone for the jugular a bit more and just kind of elected not to. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at our setup, right? We're in a back three. Cody's in the back. We know he's going to sit back deep. And I mean, even on the goal they scored, he went running back into the goal. I just... You know, he's going to sit back. He basically is letting your wide center halves have to make all the plays for him. That's fine. And and I assume that they would they break through the lines wide and then just find Holland in the middle. And Holland's movement early was killing us. We couldn't oh keep God. track of him at all. But look, City averages almost 67% possession. And they average almost 20 cross, 90, a little 19.42 crosses per 90. Both of those lead the Premier League by a mile. But it's actually not typically your fullbacks. It's actually De Bruyne and Silva, guys coming into the half spaces that are serving the ball up. Dude, Awobi right, James, please. What What can we, I just don't, can you, I can't figure it out. Yeah, it's, it's a I mean, I, I guess, I actually, I'm going to defend Frank in this instance. In this okay. rare instance, like, we're not going to be settling into possession. So it's not like Awobi is going to be. Yeah, this is a stretch. I don't even believe this anyway. I guess you could argue he's not going to be cutting into the half space, not going to have time on the ball. It's not going to matter. Um, I, I just don't I don't understand. He shouldn't be on the right. I, I don't get it at all. But Onano is deeper uh, in the three, ultimately in the middle. And uh, Ghana and Awobi were given a little bit of freedom to go out. I think what we did poorly early was we really didn't give our wingbacks, fullbacks a lot of help on the outside. So you saw yep. a lot of 1v1s. 
ideally you'd have the wide center half stepping out there providing them cover so they can be more aggressive and get on those guys because i will say this but city helped us they, they did not move the ball that fast often enough when they did it was devastating right i mean it was just right bing 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 but they would float the ball out wide and it was driving me crazy because you could tell our wide players are looking up at the ball they're like do i go get this guy yeah. like mares has got the ball floated up to him you know he's going to get it on his left foot i wanted mikalinko to go in there and just absolutely clatter him or try and win it right. be aggressive but i get it you can't really because what happens if you go in and you miss them and you don't have that cover behind you. I felt like, and we'll talk about second half changes. I felt like in the second half, we were better at dropping either a mid. The problem is you drop a mid out there. They normally have three people out there in a triangle where have to make choices. That's a lot of players you're going to commit to the ball. But I thought City looked the most dangerous when they reversed and moved the ball very quickly. And I guess you could argue those back three guys, even though they're center halves, really do move the ball pretty well. But I don't think they did a great job of doing this. I don't. Is that our fault, do you think? Or I, I really felt like a lot of this was more self-created from City because it's not like they didn't have time and space all over the pitch, James. That's, that's what I'm... I agree totally with that because it did... As I said, it felt like we were very standoffish. And you're right. I would have loved to see when they're playing those long balls, us close down and really make things difficult but it felt like we were willing to close down to five or six yards and then just let them receive, take the ball down and then make the next play. It didn't feel like it, it felt like the lack of attack from them was a, either a conscious choice or a tactical decision more so than us making things difficult for them. Yeah. And I, I think we had enough guys with some pace that if you got gray into wide spaces or an open space on a counter, they at least have to back up a little bit and we can get right. some players forward. So you don't necessarily need to hoof it up to Dom all the time. And Dom's got pace, too. I mean, Akanji's not slow, but he's not a great change in directions guy. Stone's a pretty smooth guy, and Aki can run, too. But, I mean, they're not. They're going to still back off, especially on that left side when it turns out the goal was produced that way. Um, very interesting, too. Only 13% of the match it was spent in Man City's attacking end, which is how it felt, right? I mean, that was sure. the majority of it was played in our defensive end in the middle third. Um I found it very interesting, though. Man City attacked 42% of the time on the left side, um, only 34% on the right. Your thoughts on that? Does that make a lot of sense? Part of me thinks it does. Yeah. Because they want it seems like teams really want to hone in on, on Nathan Patterson and kind of pick on him. And then you've got a, a Wobi over there providing the support. But with all the weapons they have, it felt like they could have been much more balanced. So I'm wondering what the... What they saw on the on our right hand side that made them think they they'd have more success there. Obviously, you have kind of De Bruyne shifting over there pretty often, but you also have Silva. Um, I, that's yeah. I mean, Silva's kind of teaming up with them over there. I, I don't. I mean, Godfrey's decent defending in space because he's got quick feet. I mean, right. Maybe they're waiting for him to make a mistake. I mean, and, and there was one a little bit early. First I, game I, back in a long time. Maybe yeah. Trying to, you know, maybe a little rusty trying to exploit that. But I did feel like they 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 were more too focused on attacking on the left. I think the other thing is Grealish really gets on the ball and ta- it really dwells on it at times. And I think it 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 can be effective, but often it slows them down. I mean, he's not been overly productive as a player for City. I mean, you obviously see the quality, and he's a handful. Um, and look, he he had one up on Patterson. Patterson made a couple plays, but Grealish was probably a little more dangerous. But, I mean, Mares had 68 touches. Granted, he played more minutes than Grealish. Grealish was subbed off in the 86. Um, so I can't say that Mares didn't get the ball. But, boy, in the first half, it seemed like if you got the ball over to his side, he could do whatever he wants against Mikalinko. Mikalinko's feet are simply not quick enough to deal. And, and he's not the only one, but is not sure. good enough 
and quick enough to deal with that. And and if anything, for him to have help, you pull Tarkowski out. Now you've got um, more of an opportunity, I th- I think, in the box. Although Ben Godfrey deserves a lot of credit for hanging with Holland a lot, especially on set pieces. He I does. Mean, he, was, he was just absolutely, I mean, and Holland was shoving him. And Godfrey, I mean, Ben's not going to take Jack from him, which I was fairly impressed by. Um you know, it's funny. You get these graphics like Everton attacked 43% down the right side. We, we didn't really attack. So. Right, right. It's like, it, it's funny. And we're using the who scored graphic. It makes it seem like, you know, both teams attacked roughly equally, but we know that it was pretty much a one way street. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just, yeah, just quickly on the Mario's thing. I mean, pretty much all that entire city forward line in one V one situations against us is going to have huge matchups. That's how he recruits. Like, most important thing for him in a forward attacking player, especially in the wide space, is the ability to dribble. Although, I'll say this. I'll take Grealish over Foden any day of the week to deal with like Foden to me is yes. just absolutely devastating totally agree yeah. and I, I get that you know it's a they're different players but I just anyway we'll get to that too I thought he made the subs a little bit too late as well go ahead continue sorry I interrupted no that's okay that that was pretty much my thought is just their their switches of play tomorrow as were effective because they created those sort of one-on-one opportunities yeah. against Mikolenko and that's then, what he tries to do right you know yeah. and that, that's the point of the of the the triangles and the support he does it's just devastating when you've got both of the guys like when De Bruyne drifts over right. makes it a fourth and Holland's kind of it's like oh my god just devastating you know but it's scary it's scary it is it is but that being said you put an extra guy in attack if you're only playing two two center backs I think and pushing your fullbacks up wider so I I, I think an extra guy in there and I think maybe they rip us to shreds just a thought anyway um so before we get in the timeline though let's take a real quick break um we'll have a couple words from our sponsors and we'll be right back all right, folks, we are back and we are going to get into the timeline. As we've alluded to a couple of times now, it was it was chippy. It was physical. It was uh, from the get go. Yeah, from the very, very get go. Um, Holland goes down early. Holland making some interesting runs in behind. He has kind of the first chance of the match with that run that goes side net. Didn't really have a ton of time and space. Oh, As you mentioned already, shape on that, James, our shape yeah. on that was so bad. Like, oh, yeah. my God. God. I mean, Connor Cody, has got to stop dropping back. That's what I was worried about at first. And I, I think Holland's movement was killing us at first because even when we had three center halves, the second he cut back in front of Cody, Cody dropped off. Wouldn't pick him up. And then Cody's trying to get people to move up and stay in line. And then he's dropping off. I'm like, that's not helpful. My concern was what they're trying to do is try and break us down and, and push the back line back by attacking the wide areas. If Cody's always dropping off, you can make those through passes in the space that they vacate in the, in the wide channels. And Cody will keep them on every time. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and that, that had me nervous and I just feel like they didn't exploit that as, as actively as maybe they should, but yeah, Holland got like raked in the back, I guess, in the very first play and was laying on the ground. And that, that was a, that was an interesting one. I mean, Godfrey, there's no intent in it, but he does kind of like step on his Achilles and takes his boot off. And it's like, Oh, okay. This is what we're gearing up for. I mean, (laughs) it's not, you know, as dirty as it may be, if you, if you frame it this way, it's like not a bad strategy to take down, uh, their bet, their striker with like the opening kick of the game. It's like he was up and he was fine after that. It's like 80s, 70s style hockey. You know what I mean? Like send your goon on and knock out the other team's key player. It was like (laughs) my existence watching poor Mario Lemieux in Pittsburgh. That's why I call the NHL Garage League because, you know, someone yeah. just some cement head would just go out and attack him every time. Yeah, you don't want to see that. But yeah, I mean, look, you've got to play aggressive with these guys. You can't give them an inch. So I got no real, real problem with that. Um, I thought there was a fantastic refereeing moment early in this match 
from Andy Madley, and, and we normally are critical of referees, and we are going to be critical of them later. But um, I thought this was a shining moment. I couldn't believe it happened. He calls a dive on Bernardo Silva. It was 100% a dive. Um, he was never touched, and he gave me yellow card. Not even in the box was the dive, James. This was... Why do we not see this more often? I mean, don't we think it is a universal truth that most people, especially English people and Premier League fans, hate the diving? Why don't we get it out? Wouldn't this be an easy way to do that? We've been crusading against this for so long. I know. Punish the divers. And it was it was great to see it called. Great to see it set the tone. Like, when you make that type of call early, it really does send a message for the remainder of the match. Like, you guys are not going to get away with this. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm all for it. The more, the better. Punish the divers. Try to eradicate it from the game as much as you possibly can. And the game will be better for it, in my opinion. So a good decision from Madley. Um, and it was the first of many yellow cards this match. Unfortunately, it did not uh, help us necessarily because eight or so minutes later, City opened the scoring and uh, had some of us maybe thinking, here come the here comes the onslaught. Yeah, and this is, this is an example of good fast ball movement where it got switched back to Mares, who was in 1v1 with Mikolenko and just... I mean, turns them inside and out. I mean, yeah. I Dead. mean, yeah. Mares didn't know whether to stop or wind his watch. Sorry, I'm going to use all the penguins. Mike Lang's <laughs> announcing things. He beats him like a rented mule. Um, he, yeah, sorry. So bad. That's, that one's insensitive. Um, <laughs> to mules, I guess. I, I know who it's insensitive to. Anyway, he totally kills him here and kind of, you know, Tark comes out. It opens up things. Holland's movement frees him. Um, he, he he doesn't rip this shot or anything. And sadly, Pickford gets a hand on it. Cody immediately runs back into goal, probably saves it himself if Pickford doesn't deflect it. I mean, should Pickford have done a little better here? I feel like he was a little slow to his feet, but I mean, this is one of the best goal scorers in the world inside the 10. I mean, you could argue whether Cody should have run back. Or, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the debate is, too, is Holland's movement just that good? It certainly may be an area of his game that people don't realize is so good. They just see the power and pace um i don't know i mean it's a shame but i mean you know if you give cities 1v1 guys like you said chances this close to goal with time and space they're gonna hurt you and they did yeah it's it's just really dangerous because you never really know they play very unselfishly but you never know you know mares could very easily have taken a shot there and you want to defend against that and then he's makes the unselfish play plays it in no one's really expecting it i mean pickford maybe could have done better Dude. but it's he still, it's a good finish. He kills us. I know Mares does. He is so tricky and good. Like he is. Yeah. Can you imagine he was scouted and picked up for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like the guy is just unbelievable quality. There's no question about it. So so look, this happens. Most people are out there saying game over, and and I I wouldn't disagree with them. You know, and and I think, but it was really important. They asked Ben Godfrey on the on the post match how important it was for us to tighten up, not give up the second. Um very curious moment too a little bit minutes before that like we finally got so if you notice every single time we we actually stopped a shot or tried to break out they would just foul and that, that's yeah. tactical you know and that's that's fine there's nothing wrong with that you know, it's how he plays and i get it um there was a, a little bit of an overstep on a tactical foul in the 29th minute where de bruyne just absolutely wipes onana out that was pretty interesting wasn't it i mean belgian teammate i mean some people said that they were they were exchanging pleasantries on the pitch before the match this was, I mean, I've seen De Bruyne going pretty hard on guys. This seemed a little unnecessary, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you talk about the tactical fouls and, you know, normally, at least when I think of a tactical foul, I think of, you know, the pulling the shirt from behind, dragging a guy down on the break, but they were going in hard and Holland had one later, like full tilt, studs up, slide tackle from like five or six yards away. 
And again, just fortunate that no one got hurt, but that is part of their strategy, right? If you're going to be that aggressive, push that many guys forward, then you have to have to have some insurance against the break. Yeah. And the Hal and yellow. Well, first things first, I mean, Everton did have a moment or two kind of in the middle here. I remember we had a couple touches in the box. Finally, it felt like forever. There was a decent cross made that Mikalenko kind of whiffed on on the header and then Onana knocked it out of bounds. And I'm like, dear heavens, this is the extent of our attack today. Um, but Holland was definitely getting wound up at one point. So I want to talk about that, the yellow card. I mean, he goes in incredibly aggressive right at it. I think Mikalenko releases the ball and he takes him out from behind. Now, I'm curious to you, a lot of people were calling for a red card on this play. Um, curious your take on it. I definitely have mine. For me, uh, it is very, very aggressive. It is late, but I don't know if it's quite red card territory. Um, you could, again, you could argue like endangering the, the player there. I mean, he goes down so early and Minkalenko releases it and he's, it's it ultimately is a very late challenge. Um, by the letter of the law, you could, it's, it's kind of like the one last match. You could argue that it's a red for me. I think it's a, it's a clear yellow bordering on maybe an orange type of thing, but not, not a red for me personally. Yeah, that's my take too. I think the studs didn't go up. I mean, the toe yeah. is kind of down. Was it necessary? No. Was it stupid? Yes. And so it's a dumb foul because it puts himself in a bad position for a decision later. So, so we talk about that. We're jumping a little bit ahead, but you know, later in the match, Tarkowski's going down for a tackle from to try and dispossess Holland and Holland whips his hand back, like to kind of seal a guy, almost like a basketball move. Yep. No yellow was given there. That would have been a second yellow. I've seen that given. It's not a yellow for me. I mean, I, you know, as a center half, you know me, I'm tall guy, whatever. So I know that if you go down like that, you got a chance to get hit in the nose. I mean, I don't think center forward, if they kind of lean back to seal and actually hit someone in the face, as long as it's not up in the air, I I don't think that's a yellow. I, I think that's totally fine, but it happened and I've definitely seen it given. And that's one of those things you look back and say, you know, dummy, had you not done that and had the yellow and he may have given a yellow for that just as a warning, you know, had he not gotten the prior one. I don't know how you feel about that one, but that's that's what I guess my problem is with this. I think the outrage comes from, is that really necessary? Like, why? Like and, and every every set piece, Howland shoving Godfrey, shoving him, pushing him. And I'm totally. sure Ben was giving it right back to him. I mean, I'd love to see that scuffle, by the way. Um, <laughs> Godfrey's got a boxing background. I don't know if I'd want to get in on him. That dude's strong, <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I don't know the second, you don't give him the second yellow on the other one. Do you, or, or do you? No, I, I don't think you can there. Cause as you said, it is kind of, you're just trying to make your body big and, and box. He doesn't know Tarkowski's down too. Right. I mean, right. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're turning and like maybe look, giving looking over your shoulder and putting your elbow up that you could have cause for a second yellow there, but at the, it's you have to let some degree of contact go. And though it could have been, you know, that could very easily like give someone a concussion, swinging an elbow and hitting them in the face like that. But um, it is part of the game. And I think if you try to, you've got to let the center forwards body up and be physical because you're taking, you're, you're losing too much. If you, if you start calling ticky tack fouls on those sorts of plays. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting too. Valley wit um, made a comment on here talking about the ref kind of disrespecting Pickford as a captain after the Howland foul. Um, and mentioning it probably contributed to losing control of the match. Um, yeah, it's interesting. His his comment here is, I think it's an interesting one. Captain should be given extreme leeway to jaw, which then grants the ref implicit authority to be harsher on the rest of the side. That's an interesting thought. I, I think part of the challenge there, too, is, you know, I mean, Pickford was in the lineman's face, sticking his finger in his face, too. I don't think that's necessary. Tark was obviously fired up, too. Um 
Witt's probably got a point here, um, but I don't know if Pickford's exactly the person you want to have you know, talking to the referee sometimes. He seems like he gets very charged up. I don't know. I mean, it, it's God, it's such a bad foul, though. Like, I don't know. It's it's, it's just unfortunate. I think. Yeah, it's good to see. Like, good to see the guys sticking up for one another. But sure. you have to be relatively reserved there because it's just like yellow cards for dissent just kind of sting because it's so unnecessary. You never really need to get one. Sometimes it might help set the tone. But in my view, you've got Cody and Tarkowski who are both pretty seem to have good relationships with referees and like they're always kind of joking around but they'll be serious when they need to pickford is the captain and yeah i think you should ref should be looking to the captain to explain decisions and communicate but you can't be getting in linesman face and like wagging your finger like it's just disrespectful you're almost always going to get punished for something like that yeah i think that's definitely i don't know why he does that it's also totally exaggerated because he's got the mitts on you know so right um, he's got like mickey mouse hands <laughs> right, exactly. no no that's not right, <laughs> right. Um, so anyway so the first half stats are, are fairly one-sided um again they weren't that many shots though that's the thing that's crazy info goal had us at 1.22 or had man city one point two two xg us with zero of course you know what was it five shots to zero um possession was about average for city and look we were playing in our own end virtually the whole time and there were a couple big chances obviously holland getting behind um we had forgot to mention stones had the header off a set piece was virtually unmarked hit it well hit the post and and that was fortunate because if that second one goes in i think it's completely over but yeah I, i think we were right to question the high volume you know, and again, we understand positional play. That's not our point. The point is with the rapid ball movement, with a little more urgency, I think they would have had more success breaking us down. Not the easiest thing to pull off, but City is typically capable of doing that. So I was curious what changes we might see after the half. I, I didn't see anything too dramatic. It did seem like we were making a more conscientious effort, whether it was the wide center back or the midfielder on that side to really going out and helping um, the fullbacks dealing with Mares, Silva, Grealish, that type of group out there. I don't know if you thought that saw that as well. Otherwise, I mean, it looked like somewhat the same setup, a um, little better execution, though, I think. And, and City did not start off well, I think, in the second half. Yeah, I think City came out a little bit too content with the lead. Um, Very and, much. And, and we're kind of happy to just control, control, not really push for the second goal the way they really needed to. Um, and we definitely were looking to actually break with more intent, I think, early on. When we got the ball, it wasn't, uh, you know, it's hard because City do counter pressure really, really well. But we were certainly looking to get in behind, looking for Gray, looking for those long runs. And, you know, we know what happened uh, eventually. But the other weird thing about the start to the second half was, the microphone issues, the tech bugs, check one, two, one, two, that was comical and how long it took. Like it's one thing, okay, you got to switch the batteries out of your mic or whatever. He like took off the the apparatus and put it back on like three or four different times. The crowd's booing that poor guy, like tech guy, uh, AV guy, who's like trying to get everything just as whatever, 30,000 people booing at him, just trying to do his job. Um, and that, that, that's the reason we had the 11 minutes of stoppage time at the end, basically. Yeah. The less said about that, the better, um, (laughs) it was just absolute comedy. So I I don't know how you felt, but in the 64th minute we come up and we have this absolute moment of magic. I I just was flummoxed and shocked. I mean, I could not believe it happened. 
Um, but this is the thing that Demi Gray has in his locker sometimes. And, and it's the thing that everyone has seen him do since he was younger. And everyone has thought, oh, my goodness. I mean, he literally, for a kid that is as quick as he is, has as much skill in the dribble and strikes a ball so purely as him. I mean, he's this is about the floor of someone with those type of skills. You know what I mean? And it's because he lacks in other areas in decision-making and vision and getting his head up. But you give this guy a couple inches and the ability to take a shot from somewhere, even at that angle on his right boot, you're asking for trouble. And I'll tell you what, Miko's overlap, give him credit there. He gets up the pitch. Um, but what is going on here? Like a Kanji trying to defend him in space is not a good decision. Stones drops off. Where is Rico Lewis on this play? I understand he's being pushed up higher. I don't get it. Um, so basically you've got a very quick player dealing in space with bigger, slower guys. And I think Miko's run puts a Kanji off just enough, but they have to close down on him. What are they doing here? And, and I'm sure they weren't expecting this much of a, a phenomenal shot, but you got to snuff that out. I, I'm, I'm a little curious. I think it was bad defending partially. I mean, tremendous quality from uh, Damari Gray, though. Yeah, it's an un- unbelievable finish, but he does have the time and space to slip, he fell recover, down. and then hit a rocket top bins. So it does beg the question of like, why is there no one closing him down? Because if you look at the way the play develops, he's on the break. City have, I think it's like 5v2. Yeah. Or, or sorry, 2v5 of us going forward. It's Damari Gray and basically all alone. And he does it almost all himself. The run from Mikolenko late does help draw the defender off. But the fact that he's able to slip inside the box, recover, and then quickly hit one. I mean, Pep Guardiola is going to be giving his defenders an earful for that. But it is is a fantastic strike. And it's one that I think pretty much Damari Gray is the only player in that team today capable of a moment like that. Yeah, A-plus for the knee slide and advertisement board kick. Uh, that was particularly impressive. A solid celebration on that one uh, as, he, as he went over to the sidelines. So, um, yeah, it was just an awesome moment. What a goal. I definitely jumped up and, and, and hollered when I saw it. I was pretty pretty shocked by it. I didn't think that was coming. Um, My jaw just dropped. I, I was like speechless. I was like, what is I going couldn't on believe here? it. Yeah, and, and I thought, okay, I figured this would kickstart City a little bit. Um, and it kind of did. I mean, we made subs, you know, soon thereafter. The moped comes in for DCL. I, I think... Look, Dom wasn't great today, but I mean, it, we've seen it take some some time to get fit. Coleman comes in for Patterson. That's probably the right move. I mean, Nathan Patterson has um, he's a good athlete. Um, he has some skills, but uh, he played a lot and played a very active role last match, a very poor role. Um, I, I trust Coleman more in this situation, frankly, than than I do him. If we know we're going to defend at this point, see out the point. Very interesting, though. <laughs> City didn't have a single shot. And again, we had like 10 minutes of tech issues here. Didn't have a single shot from halftime until the 73rd minute. But I don't believe that we were playing this incredibly. I mean, didn't take a shot, James. I mean, that's and and what I'm wondering here is why is Pep waiting so late to sub? I mean, we made another sub. Tom Davies came in for Ghana. Weird sub, by the way. Yeah. Explain that one to me. What are your thoughts? Marco, one of of our Twitter brethren out there was mentioning he thought Ghana was physically struggling. Mm. which would explain it. But God, it didn't seem like the look. I mean, he took as long as anyone I've ever seen getting off the pitch. If he's injured, that explains it. Otherwise, he almost looked like he was perturbed that he was being subbed because the sub made no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, bringing just the sheer drop in quality, no disrespect intended from Ghana to Tom Davies when we're defending a lead. I mean, you think, okay, Ghana had played very well up to that point. I mean, holding things together, being as disruptive as he could be in midfield. Tom Davies maybe brings on fresh legs, can just kind of pester Man City on the ball. But 
it didn't uh, didn't exactly eliminate my concerns that City were just going to push on and get that second goal eventually. Um, and even though Tom Davies, obviously the highlight of his career was against Manchester City, uh, he had the mustache going, maybe gave me a little extra confidence. But yeah, weird sub, maybe just conservative from Frank trying to, if there were muscle injuries, you saw like a number of guys go down, Damari Gray go down with like a no contact injury. Um, so just maybe being cautious with the match in three days, but um, hopefully it's nothing you know serious for Ghana and he's able to continue and play yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, we need him badly. His quality is <laughs> it's definitely there. Um, and I, I'm just surprised Decore is not coming off the bench. I mean, he comes on later, but and, and I tell you what, I don't care about Decore flopping around in warmups. I mean, I don't care. It's just I, I don't understand why people are. People are inventing reasons to get mad at Decore at this point. I just cannot possibly figure out why. It's I mean, if Carlo Ancelotti preferred you in the midfield and was comfortable you playing with guys like Alan and James. I mean, do we really think this is an issue of quality? He's clearly struggling to find a place in Frank's scheme. But I mean, I, there are times where I would play him in a Wobie's position and move a Wobie elsewhere. But I mean, today it was different. You know, I mean, that, that's the nice part about the formation today is you didn't have to play any of the wide players. I mean, you played Gray as an essence, your second striker, but that's our weakness. I mean, our wide players aren't very good. You know, I mean, McNeil gray and, and Gordon are not particularly good. So in essence, you play this formation. I don't think we'll continue in it, but we pointed out on the pod, there are formations you can play with three in the back that could work and be more attacking oriented. That might be worth pursuing. And, we saw Ben Godfrey play pretty well in the right right center half. He eventually had to come out because he was injured. But look, so it takes Pep. I felt like it was the 83rd minute on our timeline. It's listed as the 86. He finally brings on um, Foden, Alvarez, Gungadin. They're, they're all on. And it's like, why did you wait so long? I mean, that that is a very attacking oriented team more so. Um, but Everton saw it out. I mean, there were a couple nervous moments where the ball was fumbling around. Um the Godfrey sub irritates me a little bit. So Wobie goes to right wing back and Coleman goes to right center half. He basically got hurt. How did he get a foul call on the play where he ran with the ball twice and somehow cl- I did he? Cl- I don't I didn't see. I didn't, a f- didn't get, yeah, I didn't get that either. Is You know, that's the, the Ben Godfrey we saw when he was playing consistently under Carlo Ancelotti, sort of those bursts forward. He wins the ball. He looks to drive it forward and. How that ended up going the other way, I, I didn't even see a replay of it. Kind of ridiculous. The other one, late in stoppage time, um, I guess those city. Just I guess a word on those city subs, <clears throat> terrifying that they were just bringing those three guys off the bench. But oh, as, yeah. I, I agree, uh, pretty late. The the yellow for Neil Mopai on the foul that is almost carbon copy of the one that didn't get called like a minute earlier on him. Total joke. And then they called another one where they kind of bumped him and he fell over later. I, I, I just don't understand that. I mean, he gets absolutely taken out after releasing the balls. Absolutely foul. I, I just don't get it at all. And and Mope was made a point of it at the referee. And I'm like, he's freaking right. Um, so look, City still had 11 shots in the second half after the second, the 72nd, but they really only had two on target, you know, and, and Pick made a nice save from close range kind of to his left. But he really didn't have that many outstanding saves to make. I did like how commanding I thought he was in the box. Yep. Um, I thought he did show some presence in there and some character, but uh, most of the stuff was blocked. And part of that was just we had numbers in the back. But I just shame on City. I mean, you literally don't produce a shot until the 73rd in the second half. And now you scramble around with 11 shots. I mean, I don't know. I think Pep needs to make a sub a little bit earlier. I was a little irritated, by the way, that they kept going in beyond extra time and Mikalenko makes a kind of a careless foul yeah um 
which gives them a really dangerous shot attempt free kick from from the from the goal line basically and the ball goes out and he still doesn't blow the whistle just come coming on i don't recall us wasting a lot of time within the 11 extra minutes Stephen Williams at Stephen M. Williams comment. The additional time after the additional time is just pure lottery. I like that. Yeah. So how much additional time do we have after the additional time? It's anybody's guess. I mean, after we survived that kind of flurry of chances when I was basically inside our six, just getting. I'm like, we're going to get a point today. Of, like, how uh, are yeah, we going to get exactly. a point today? And then when Michelenko concedes that free kick, uh, he fouls Foden on the edge of the box. I'm like, oh, OK, we just. Here's the last minute winner that we're going to concede. But we saw it out. Miracle point, in my opinion, and I think a lot of Blues opinions. Um, performances on the good side. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here and just say Damari Gray. Only chance we had at getting a point from this game was the moment of brilliance that he delivered and that we desperately needed because we sure weren't creating very many quality chances. And as I said a few minutes ago, he's really the guy in that team, on that team sheet that we know has proven that he can do something like that. And he did. And that's how you get your first point against Manchester city in five years. Yeah. He's got to be my man of the match too. I mean, that being said, um, I'll tell you what, Iwobi had four tackles and two interceptions and played very good defensively. And there were a few times where he actually did control the ball and look to play it forward. He was probably the only one really. Um, Onana hung in there defensively. I thought he was a little wasteful with some of his distribution. Um, Although it would help if people would come to the ball. I, Nathan Patterson, again, just seemed a little bit lost. Um, and Ben Godfrey, we talked about him battling Holland, but I, I just think it's nice when he has, he has just more freedom in that position to be an athlete. And it's nice to see that a little bit. And, and look, the guys played with a lot of character. I mean, when Cody comes in there and plays in the middle, there's a lot of impetus to put on the other center halves to really step up and make plays. I think he put up here, I mean, Tarkowski had 13 clearances. Is that true? Yeah, something like that. Felt like it, right? I mean, he was yeah. he was tough in there. He's not a towering presence, but he really does throw himself into stuff. We, we point out on the team assessment that he's engaging in a lot of duels. He's not winning a whole lot, um, but I, I thought he was sound at least today, defensively. Um, In terms of bad, I mean, I just picked Dom because, uh, not that I'm expecting him to be phenomenal, but he was was off it. And I think we've just seen that. You know, he's not fit. Um, Clearly, Frank had a plan to sub him after 60. He subbed him in the 70th, but if you do the math with the with the tech delay, that's about right. Or, you know, the 65, something like that, which which made sense. I mean, I can't say the moped had a massive impact, but, you know, that's not the best scene, you know, position for him to be in. And that's okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can't say Patterson and Mikalinko played great. Uh, Your bad is I I probably would have looked at that one, too. I mean, yeah, I, I went with Connor Cody. Um, he did have 91% pass completion. I think he only had two errant passes uh, and a couple clearances, but it's the just lack of action, the deferring to Godfrey and Tarkowski in almost every situation. And I get that that's kind of the role that he's designed to play, but no tackles, no attempted tackles, zero for zero in aerials. Ryan pointed out in the squad assessment, he's like basically <clears throat> bottom of the barrel as far as activity from a center half in the Premier League. Um, but he does do the kind of the intangible things. I saw him arguing with the referees a few times, chopping it up with Kyle Walker on the sideline. Um, and if you're going to not be active, at least be communicating and facilitating good games from the other guys. And if you look at, you know, we both thought Tarkowski and Godfrey played well. Maybe Cody had a had a role in that just being that sure. back up there. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm 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 probably more critical of him than everyone. But again, he's on loan. You know what I mean? He He's. He was cheap, you know, and he and, and he brings some leadership in the back. I, I think the organization improved 
Um, I don't think it was good early, and I think he's partially to blame for that. But in their defense, how many times have those three played together in a back three? And I'd rather have him in there, honestly, at this moment than like Mason Holgate. So, yeah, Mason Holgate, I could have seen him taking a red today. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Pulling a Funes Mori, like grabbing the... Yeah, right, right. (laughs) What a ridiculous moment that was. Uh, Look, um, summary. Uh, To me, I I think we said a lot during the pod. I think the real question is, is City even that good? Um, There's obvious quality in there, but I just... I'm sorry. I just see guys like Stones, Akanji, and Nathan Ake, and I'm just thinking, is this a top-back line on a team like Rika Lewis in there? I mean, should a big club like this not have someone who's more ready to play than him out wide? I, I don't. They have a phenomenal academy and have great young players. Um, and I think a guy like Jack Grealish, too, I, I just I know how good he was previous to coming to City, and he still has his moments. I mean, his, his expected assists is high, and Shot created actions is decent from open play, but for a city player, I mean, he's got four open play goals in the league in 2,600 minutes. I just, I don't, I don't think I would, if I had to guess, I would think he's not, and I think he's a very good player, very good player. I just don't think he's quite making maybe the impact that they, they thought. And I, and I, I'm curious if city are going to do something this window, because they've got a lot of catching up today. I mean, Arsenal blew the doors off of Brighton today. They're going to be very difficult to catch, and and maybe Pep's going to prioritize the Champions League. But I mean, seven points clear, Arsenal are now with today's result. Yeah, it's going to be really. And you going into the season, you would have thought, okay, they added Holland to an unbelievable side, defending champions. What else? They lost some guys. I mean, they lost some guys too. I mean, Sterling is a weird guy to play against, and I get he's aging. I'm not saying it was a terrible decision. Everything and. Gabby Jesus is a different type of player and and he wasn't finishing at all for City. That's kind of how he is really. Um, but I just yeah, I kind of wonder, maybe they need a maybe they need another wing back or, or fullback and and do they need another wide player? I mean, it's hard to look and say, what are you talking about, dude? You've got Bernardo. Maybe move Bernardo Silva out wide and bring someone else in, in the midfield. Uh, you know, someone who's more of a creative type. They've, they've never really, unless they move Foden there. I mean, they kind of have similar profile guys, and I get it, it works in yeah. the system. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's something that seems to me that's missing a little bit for that City team. Yeah, and I think you'd have you look at the table and be fair to say. Um but nevertheless, it is a big point for Everton to end the year on. We've been on a run of horrible defeats, and you know I don't know if this is necessarily a reversal, of course, but it is a nice change of pace to get the results that you really didn't think we had a prayer of getting going into the match today. Um, and I think the, the listener comments we have here do kind of echo that sentiment. We lead with uh, Ethan Zander, the Penny Blue. It is his birthday, so shout out to Ethan. Happy birthday, brother. And his his comments funny. He says, "Still poor quality, miles below." But quality means nothing when you've got in whisper spirit. We at least look capable of learning from our mistakes and kill a game. But make no mistake, twenty one points doesn't save us from a relegation fight. And Frank is still in the hot seat. Basically, yeah, it's a good point, but we're still kind of in trouble. I think that's fair to say. You know, I wore my Pittsburgh Spirit shirt yesterday. Um, is this the longest we've gone in a pod before we said spirit? Um, have we gone on a whole not. pod by not saying it? There's no way when Alex has been on here that we haven't said it because he keeps it like every time. And so what people don't realize is when we do the pod, we can see each other on Riverside and Alex will absolutely goad me every time he's about ready to deliver it. And it is at, James can do not. He has to mute himself because he ends up laughing. Can't do anything about it. I know it's coming and he brings the hammer down. He's good like that. Um, let me go to the second one. Jackson at Jackson underscore bugle bugle. Don't overthink it. I, I know I did for a second. I don't know why it looked very, very different for me. Jackson have had some good interactions recently too. Um, 
I definitely appreciate his his uh, participation recently. So Ben Godfrey and Tarky were enormous in the back. And who would think Ryan was this correct? You put this in. I didn't put this in. Who I would think Ryan was up. this correct about Godfrey as a right center back? Hopefully we can see a three at the back against Brighton. But wow, has that improved my view into 2023. So so look, we talked about this in the team assessment. There is definitely a lineup um, that is three in the back that I think could be effective. Um and could be more attacking in nature, too. Uh, but, yes, it is important to get clean sheets, first and foremost. Um, I still don't think there's any arrangement that we could get clean sheets consistently with this side. But but I think we, we agree that there are some defensive combinations here that could work. Not all these guys are poor individual players. Um, and what we really need is wider attacking options. If we can't get them done in January, it's an alternative because look, say you play a more attacking base side and not, not this five, three, two, say it's more of the, what we said, like three, four, three, because I think that's what Frank would want to play. You've got some options in that central mid. You can now suddenly move Wobi out wide. I mean, it gives you some different things. I like a more narrow approach. I mean, with the current yeah. personnel, we talked about this. I mean, a Wobi and gray as almost second strikers or, or twin tens behind like a Dominic Calvert-Lewin. That makes a big difference. Both those guys can hold the ball a little bit. People back off of Gray a little bit. They give him a they little do, yeah. space. I mean, he's not strong, but he's quick enough on the ball and, and can draw some fouls in some dangerous places. Even if you've got to play the moped, the moped's movement's really good. You need to possess them. He's good on a possession-based side. Both those guys are good at keeping the ball. You put Onana, who seems a little more willing to stay back in there with Gone in the middle. You can have something there. It's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about, well, we need better wide players or we just go to a formation that doesn't rely on having good wide I mean, players. It's not a bad, it's, it's really not, not a bad plan. It's not. And um, I'll tell you what, in a two up top two, if you go and play the two as well, uh, you know, Ellis Sims has a little more chance of necessarily playing and, and his best part of his game, he's a good scorer, but people don't realize is his off the ball movement is very good. He's good at finding space to either receive a ball, release pressure. Um, he's a very intelligent footballer and, and that might be an opportunity for him too. just, just thoughts. There are definitely some options here. And I think the less predictable we can be, maybe the better chance we have of winning some things tactically. We have some veteran players that should be capable of playing in different roles. So totally. um, I, I think it's an interesting thought for sure. And I did like Ben Godfrey given a little more freedom today. I thought he responded really well. Agreed. Then we had Alan Brody at Brody and MD. Heck of a way to close the year. Gutsy needed performance. Looks like DCL came through unscathed, even if he had little impact. Check. About the only downside is Onana picking up his fifth yellow card and suspended for Brighton. That does kind of sting, but I feel like you can probably just bring Decore in, assuming he's not gone by January 3rd. Uh, and be, I think we'll be okay. It definitely hurts, but maybe needed because he does go in. I mean, the challenge today was a little bit rash. So, well, uh, take the a one, breather. The one thing I don't get is what's going to happen is this. He's going to play three in the middle again. We're gone. Is going to now be the deep man. He's going to move Wobi over to the left and put Decore right. Why? I don't get that at all. Like, why is it when Decore's in there, suddenly it's like, well, Decore's a right-sided midfielder and Wobi's a left-sided midfielder. What? That does not make any sense. But that's exactly what happens when he's put Decore in when Wobi's on the field. They switch. I, I don't know why. There's no no reason why Onana couldn't be that or Ghana. In fact, Ghana actually typically played on the right side of Verratti at PSG. So I, I don't. I don't understand it at all, but, but I don't think that's the worst setup either. I mean, Ghana to Corey Wobie's not the worst. Now, if Ghana's hurt now, maybe you look at playing a two man midfield in a three, four, three, and, and, and you've got maybe Decore in there alongside a Wobie. I mean, you never know. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It'd be very interesting. I mean, the sooner we can get reinforcements in, 
in January, the better. We need to make good use of those loans. But look, I'll take a result out of nowhere here anyways. Um, I wish Onana hadn't gotten yellow. Some people were critical of the Davies subs saying, like, we should have taken Onana off. He had already gotten the yellow at that point, really. And, right. and this match, the way he was playing, it was almost inevitable, the way he tackles sometimes, that he was going to get one. Yeah, fair enough. Although yeah. I don't know if I entirely agreed with the yellow, but that, that's another story. My concern was the reason why I would have subbed him off. Ghana was probably was hurt. Um, that makes a lot more sense now that Marco had mentioned that I, I, because Onana had a feeling he was going to get the second yellow, which would have been worse. Right. So you take the one game suspension and you kind of deal with it. And yeah, it will be interesting to see what Frank elects to do on Tuesday against Brighton. Do we, I mean, the hope is that we can continue any momentum that we gathered from this. We didn't even talk about the XG. The XG was like the funniest part of this whole match. Uh, we had Mark, our stats headed at 2.14 for city to 0.07. So <clears throat> Really no business whatsoever, but we get the point and we will take it and run with it. We look forward to the match against Brighton on Tuesday. Uh, my final word is a tweet from longtime friend of the show, Mark McDaniel, M. McDaniel 2012, otherwise known as Second City St. Louisian, Louisian, Esquire, who Esquire. said inject, Key. <laughs> inject all the false hope into my veins. We are staying up. Up the toffees. And I, Dude, I mean, I'll buy into that all day. Esquire. I love it. I, I, I'm going to tell the story on the pod. So um, many people may know who Dewan Blair is. So my brothers, who's a lawyer, um, knew Dewan a little bit. My brother does some basketball coaching. And there was one time he hadn't seen Dewan in a long time. Dewan walks into this gym that he was at. It's like, yo, my brother's name. How's the lawyer in going? <laughs> <laughs> that's the vibe i get from this one man so i love it man second city channeling the vibe it's all about vibes today basically shoving people around um uh, winding people up and and getting a point away at city which is the least likely point we had on our entire schedule so heck yeah up the toffees <laughs> up the toffees indeed thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the american toffee podcast if you haven't, same thing as the top of the show. Please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, Spotify, Apple, wherever it may be. Uh, follow us on social media at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Otherwise, we'll be with you next time. Until then, we are staying up and up the toffees.